You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life everybody, it's episode, did I say everybody twice? <sighs> it's episode one. It's episode 137, it's November 8th, 2017, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. I declared at the end of last week's show that there would not be a show this week, and so of course it was like the most newsworthy week in wrestling in several months, <laughs> and, and we had no choice but to do a show this week. Let's start with New Japan, because... Chris Jericho is going to Wrestle Kingdom to wrestle Kenny Omega. I thought there was a better chance of that than them wrestling on a boat, but I still would have put it at less than fifty percent, uh, less than a fifty percent chance in my mind of that happening. What do you think of uh, the news of Jericho going to Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, um, you know it's it's that never say never brother type uh, type of moment. Um, Jericho for years has pretty famously said that he would never work anywhere but WWE. Um, and for whatever reason with Jericho, I tended to believe him on that. But, uh, you know, the Tokyo Dome is a is a, still a big stage and it's going to be, you know, whatever, 30,000 people there. And, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a match against the biggest, probably the biggest non-WWE wrestler in the world currently. So uh, despite what Despite Cody's claims of late, I think Kenny's probably a bigger deal around the world as far as non-WWE wrestlers go. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a big deal. Um, I understand if you're, a, if you're a regular New Japan watcher and you watch it for the, uh, the hashtag work rate, I can understand maybe you not being thrilled about this. But, uh, you know, as far as like a biggest, you know, biggest show of the year, big time main event style match. I mean, it's a, it's a generational clash. It's two big stars on a big stage. Like, I think it's, it's kind of everything you want from wrestling, isn't it? Yep. A couple of Winnipeg boys. Uh, <laughs> Jericho is technically born in New York. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I, uh, I subscribed to New Japan World this past weekend to watch the Power Struggle show. I have a writing project that I might, I might end up having to watch a lot more New Japan. Keep your fingers crossed. <laughs> but um, I ended up subscribing to uh, New Japan World, so I'll wow. be, uh, I'll be watch, be watching the Dome live this year. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I like you, uh, um, hinted at. I don't expect a five star classics. I just don't think Jericho can go at that level anymore. But I saw Kenny Omega wrestle Trent Beretta uh, on that Power Struggle show, and I don't mean to speak ill of Beretta. He's pretty good, but um, Kenny Omega could have wrestled a broomstick on that show and probably would have had you know a similar level match. Uh, <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, I think Omega is that type of talent. And it's like... It's- uh, all they have to do, and I think there's a blueprint in some of Jericho's matches with, you know, with Rollins, or I know people were kind of disappointed in the program with AJ Styles, but um, I mean, that's, 
you know, you can do, you know, you can do a, it would probably be a more WWE style mid 2000s main event in the sense that I think it'll probably be, you know, maybe more heavily uh, leaning on the finishers and kickouts of big moves, but uh, it may not be, you know, there's not going to, I don't think there's going to be 25 minutes of mat work like there was in the, uh, in the, you know, it's not, it's not going to be a slow start. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, it's yeah. I don't. I don't think it's going to be like his matches, obviously, with Okada. But as you said, that Omega's gotten more out of maybe guys who are not necessarily that anything wrong with Trent Beretta. I feel like we're slighting him. I'm sure he's a nice guy, um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, with a star of the caliber of Jericho, it's uh, you know, as long as he can still do do Chris Jericho's signature spots, that's really all you need out of him. I don't know if there's anybody in the world other than Okada that can work at Kenny Omega's pace, and Jericho certainly can at this stage. Yeah. So it's going to have to be slower. Um, but, yeah, so just touching briefly on the rest of that Power Struggle show, uh, Will Osprey is probably the best wrestler in the world right now, I think. After after seeing that show, he and Marty Skrull uh, had a heck of a match. And uh, I just don't know how Osprey's going to be able to – I mean – even if he's fifty percent of what he is now at you know at age thirty, yeah. uh, and at the rate he's going, he's gonna have a, a lot of wear and tear on his body by age thirty. But Osprey's just incredible. I mean, Osprey and Gargano is kind of my dream match right now. Uh, it'll probably be yeah. two, three, three or four years before we get a chance to see it. Because I, I just I just don't see WWE not backing up the Brinks truck for Will Osprey whenever he's ready to go there. Um, but other than that, I don't know. I didn't think anybody could follow Omega and Tanahashi in the main event. If it was an, a, a match, if it was anyone other than Tanahashi and Ibushi in that match, mm-hmm. I think people would be a lot less kind to it. But um, Tanahashi beat Ibushi in the main event of that show to retain the Intercontinental title. Um, they just couldn't follow Kenny Omega. And yeah. that's, that's, no, that's no slight. But anyway, so that was the Power Struggle show this, this past weekend. And... Raw Monday this week, they changed the Raw tag titles. They put them on the bar, uh, maybe hedging their bets if Roman isn't ready to wrestle by Survivor Series. I think they're going to match up the Shield against the New Day, and that way they can either do two-on-two or three-on-three if Roman is able to go. Uh, But I know you're upset about not seeing uh, Dean and Seth wrestle the Usos now. Yeah, man. Like This was was like... This is all I was looking forward to on the Survivor Series show. Um, and obviously some, some stuff has changed, which we'll get into in a moment. But, uh, yeah, like I thought, if you just look at the last few WWE pay-per-views, uh, probably from like SummerSlam on, the tag title matches have been the best matches on like every single show in WWE for, for months. You know, the Usos have had incredible matches with The New Day, and and Seth and Dean have had very good matches with with uh, Cesaro and Sheamus, so it's just it seemed like kind of okay. You have the they're they're both such great teams, and they're both on something of a hot streak when it comes to the pay per view performances. So it's like, oh man, just give these guys like twenty five minutes, and it'll be awesome. Um, and now I'm not going to get that, and I'm saddened by that. Uh, I really wanted to see it, so I, I am I am disappointed in that. So Ross slapped you in the face with that. They slapped me in the face by having Kane out there, no selling everything Braun Strowman threw at him. <laughs> oh, I 
can't believe we've already seen Braun beat the big, the old big guy. <laughs> he's, he had really good matches with Big Show, and now he's going to. Uh, Braun and uh, Kane are going to have a one and three quarter star match now because every match Kane's ever had is one and three quarter stars. <laughs> hey, so there was, was, hey, he was part of some really good multi man matches where he was, you know, that were like four stars because he wasn't involved in it very much, you know. <laughs> He he had another one at TLC this year. <laughs> yeah. Depending yeah, on what you thought of that match. He's great at being a piece of luggage in multi-man matches. <laughs> speaking, speaking of piece of luggage, uh, AJ Styles beat Jinder Mahal for the, <laughs> for, the, for the WWE title on SmackDown this week. And there's kind of that thing of, oh, AJ could have, AJ could have a good match with a tackling dummy. But it's like, Jinder Mahal is not even as mobile as a tackling dummy. <laughs> Ginger's Ginger's more like a blocking sled. Uh, <laughs> AJ had like a four star match with a blocking sled. It was the closest thing to a one man show I've seen in WWE in a long time. AJ Styles beating Ginger Mahal for the title, now facing Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series. That show got a little more interesting. What do you think? And uh, we talked about this last week. I kind of had a hunch that maybe they would change the title and we can talk about the reasons why in a second after I get your thoughts but what are your thoughts uh, just kind of uh, at first glance what are your thoughts of AJ uh, winning the title um, I mean I, it's cool I mean it's a, it's a cool moment and obviously Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles I think for, for most people is a, is a more exciting match a more interesting match um, so yeah that's really cool and uh, you know AJ Styles should be the world champion for as long as he is with this company um, if you, oh, I should say, if you're of the belief that like the best guy should be the world champion, then yeah, AJ should be the champion forever, um, until he's not the best guy anymore. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's a very cool moment. Um, I think immediately everybody kind of has the suspicions of, well, they still got that India tour camp coming up. Um, so maybe Ginger's just going to win it back there. Or I mean, to me, it's it's that or he's hurt, right? It doesn't it doesn't really seem like there's much middle ground there. Well, I mean, they just announced their third quarter financials, and it was the most successful financial quarter in a long time. Like it would have been ever, except, uh, well, it gets there gets to be some fuzzy math when you start talking about the XFL year, but it was one of their uh, best, if not their best, financial quarter ever. But they announced the network number and they added India and China and there was basically the same drop uh, this year, but there was last year. So adding India meant absolutely nothing and add, having Jinder as champion meant nothing for the network number in India. So there's really no financial uh, indicators that you can point to and say... There's nothing you can point to and say Ginger has been a raging success as champion, so we might as well take it off of him. Um, that was my thought. Is that, I mean, do you think, I don't know, you raised the possibility of a Ginger injury. It seems like maybe he's been working on a bad shoulder for a while or a bad everything because the guy just can't move. <laughs> but lots of reasons to take the title off of him. I mean, that, yeah, that makes sense the way you, you, you lay it out. Um, I mean, I think it's what everybody kind of knew. Uh, you know, WWE is not the first entertainment company or you know business that's looked at the amount of population in China or India and said, "Look at all those people. If we can just monetize a 
small percentage of them will be will be making so much money and then they tried and it didn't work um so yeah maybe maybe they are willing to kind of pull a plug on the experiment um my i mean my initial instinct is still that they're <laughs> they're stubborn enough to at least wait it out for a, for a little while longer um so i i would say i still expect him to win that title back in in india um just that's just my gut feeling right now time will tell and i don't think that's a bad idea like i don't think just because no one has succeeded yet and because you had a bad you know uh, negligible uh, results from one quarter i doesn't mean you should never push a guy from india again like i don't think jim is the guy but he has made a lot of strides as a character i mean like sure I've said I've said fifty times already. He can't move. He can't do a damn thing in the ring. But <laughs> but as a as a as a promo and a character, he's he's made great strides in the last few months. Yeah, no, he's 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 perfectly competent as a as a character in that way. I don't I don't uh, I don't my eyes don't glaze over quite as much when he cuts promos now. Um, <laughs> But at the same time, it's like, yeah, so if you had pushed, if you had just kind of started out and built to this and you let him create a character and work on it and, and you know, built him up to maybe getting a big main event spot, I don't think anybody would have, they wouldn't have had that sort of visceral hatred, uh, you know, reaction that a lot of wrestling fans had when they just pushed a guy. I mean, it's not the first time they just looked at a guy for whatever reason and said, all right, he's the new top guy and the fans, you know, and the fans sort of rejected it or didn't, didn't understand it. And I mean, especially, but especially because of, you know, how far down the cart, I mean, he was a non-entity on this show seven or eight months ago. Um, so yeah, he's, he's absolutely made strides. He's absolutely getting better. Um, and he's worked with a lot of good guys. Uh, if you want to get better at wrestling, you should wrestle Randy Orton and Shinsuke Nakamura and AJ Styles. Like those people will make you better. So, I mean, good for him. He might, <laughs> you know, as a wrestler, I don't know that he's ever going to get significantly better unless he f- figures out a way to get a little more mobile. But as as a character, sure, there's there's absolutely a spot on the card for. Him. Uh, you know, I wouldn't go so far into the. Uh, xenophobic uh way that they have but absolutely there's there's a spot for gender on this show i'm not you know there's nothing wrong with them nothing against the guy speaking of promos and characters i guess the last thing we really want to hit hard this week uh, is the espn 30 for 30 on rick flair and that aired this week i watched it did you get a chance to see this Liam? i did not i mean i liked it it was much like the life of Ric Flair, it was awesome and hilarious in spots, and then it gets real sad and real depressing in spots. Um, so, uh, I I appreciate it. They were they were a little they were not they did not sugarcoat stuff. Um, I was a bit surprised. This isn't this. I didn't think this documentary painted professional wrestling as a whole in a particularly good light. Um, which is, yeah. I'm, 
I mean, and you can if you're going to tell the honest story of Ric Flair. Um, but considering how much involvement WWE had, I'm surprised they were willing to kind of partner up with ESPN to show a more honest look. And there's still some some WWE revisionist history and the <laughs> Triple H, a man who was world champion in 2016, was mocking Hogan and Flair for being 10 years past their prime in the 90s. Um, that was funny. But, uh, I mean, you, you still got some of the revisionist history or sugar-coated history, I think, to an extent. And you're always going to get that if WWE is involved with a history piece. But, yeah, I, th- I guess my biggest takeaway was maybe I was surprised how uh, honest they <laughs> that it was, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it was... They let Rick... Uh, talk and they let Rick tell his stories but they did have Triple H jump in at one point and say Rick is the consummate liar and they they let you make up your your mind how much of what he was saying was actually truth and they kind of made it clear that you know Rick Flair's the myth as Shawn Michaels said in the piece to me the stars of the piece were Ashley Charlotte uh, Sean and Triple H, and I mean, and to some extent Hogan. I mean, Hogan, you know, when he's in worker mode, and uh, I'm just humble Terry Bollea mode, uh, <laughs> can, is very is very charming and can be very good. And Hogan was very good in the piece, but it was really Sean and Hunter and Ashley that added. I don't want to talk about her and use her real name let's be that guy who talks about you know oh i know the real name is ashley in the piece which is why you're talking about that way you're (laughs) not just calling her ashley for no reason right so yeah so ashley and sean and hunter to me were the were the stars of the piece and they added that that gravity to the story and um i mean triple h comes across as a really good friend to rick and um He's he does so much corporate speak now in his in his role that it's difficult for me to completely tell when he's being sincere. But I thought he came across as really sincere in the piece. Sean was just uh, brutally honest and and a star in the piece. And uh, man, the stuff with Ashley and Reed it always breaks my heart. Yeah, and it's it's clear that if there's a takeaway for me, it's I think if there's a, a hopeful takeaway for me, it's I think that Ashley has, if she hasn't completely figured out kind of how to be a healthy, emotional, an emotionally healthy person, she's at least on her way. And that's something that they make clear in the piece that Rick just isn't capable of. Although, it, although in some of his comments, you can tell that he's, He's made. He, ha- he has more self awareness. He has more self awareness now than I think he did even. Like if this interview had taken place even say three or four years ago, I think. Yeah. I, I, you know, you know, I think that's. He's a little more willing to look at his life. Um, yeah, I thought when Shawn Michaels uh, made some sort of comment to the extent of, I don't think Rick likes. Richard Fleer. I don't think he knows who that is, and I don't think he wants to know. Um, 
and you know and hogan pointing out that it's like you know forever for better or worse wrestling will always be what rick flair loves the most you know more than his more than his wife or his uh, wives uh, or his or his kids or his friends or anything else it's like rest professional wrestling is what rick flair loves the most and it's like yeah no i think that's and you're right in the sense that they 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 sort of framed it as uh, that you know they talked about and he he literally said uh, you know he's living vicariously through charlotte now um and i mean you could see that when they were on television together when rick was her manager for a while um i think you saw that very clearly but uh it's yeah i mean it's like i said it's very much the documentary itself is very much like if you've, if you followed the career of Ric Flair to any extent, you know, it's awesome to watch him be him. It's awesome to watch those old clips from WCW Saturday night. Um, it's, but then you have to get into the fact that, you know, they had a little bit, they didn't interview his older children as much, but you know, when they did, it was very clear. He was not there for them. He was not really a part of their lives for big chunks of that. And, you know, he and he was there for for Reed and and for Charlotte a bit more. But, you know, in the end, he was still <laughs> he's still always going to be Ric Flair. And for as, as kind of Hogan said, for, for better or worse, that's always going to be his first love. And I guess you can kind of look at that, as you said, how you choose to. You can look at that as the tragedy they had. They interviewed uh, they had a line from Chael Sonnen where he said basically you know, to be the man, eventually you have to grow up. And some of, you know, some people just try to hold on to that fame and, and sort of try to stay young forever. And so you can kind of look at it as, hey, it's it's sad because he never really learned to grow up. And, you know, he missed he miss ch- some, some of the lives of his children because of it. And, you know, he ruined marriages and, and he's, <laughs> and to a certain extent, he's a, he's an old man now and he's, he's sad and uh you know try, still trying to maybe live vicariously through his daughter's wrestling career i mean yeah so you can look at that as sad or you can look at it you know almost more of as a sacrificial thing as you know he gave everything he had to the sport because he loved it so much so yeah it's absolutely a, they definitely made it so that you you should draw your own conclusions it wasn't necessarily giving you a hard line this is the story we're telling here uh thing yeah, I don't think it necessarily broke a ton of new ground that hasn't been covered in WWE documentaries over the years, whether it's the Ric Flair and the Horseman DVD set a few years ago or the Ric Flair anthology. Uh, probably, gosh, that's been 13, 14 years now. But um, still kind of first real big mainstream documentary type piece on Rick, And um, yeah, definitely worth worth checking out if you haven't seen it. All right. Uh, anything else? Um, I'm just trying to think. I can't think of anything else coming up. Boss time is on hiatus. No, no boss time this week. <laughs> but she, she's on the survive. <laughs> she's on the Survivor Series team. That and that's and this has been boss time. All right, <laughs> move right along. All right, <laughs> all right. That's, that was boss time. That's all I got. You got anything else? Let's let's get out of here. All right, good times. So, everybody, uh, until next time, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. And we'll be back 
very soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Farewell. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. Be in and out of here by 12. Sure. <laughs> start talking about that John Cena and Sabu match. I'm just going to hang up. All right. <laughs> Edge and RVD is pretty underrated, too, from that card. I don't know if I've ever watched that. Like, it's, I've seen was... most of that show, but I don't think I ever watched Edge and RVD. Yeah, it's good. It's pretty good. <laughs> okay. We're, we're already getting right. into it. Let's go. It's enough Vengeance 2006 talk. All right. <laughs> Good lord, can't help myself. I'm like Ric Flair. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to make any promises <laughs> about when. Never never say never, brother. That's right. Hogan, oh. I, I, you, you know you love a guy for for 25 years. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then you see and you, you see him on a thing like that and he's being so humble and he's being Hulk Hogan. He's yeah. just like, man, I, man, I love that guy, but that's not. I don't. It's another guy that's. I don't know if that's who that guy is. <laughs> but, but he doesn't either, probably, right? Like, yeah. At this point, yeah, in I his think life? Pro- probably even more so than Rick. It's like Hulk doesn't even has never exhibited a bit of self awareness, no. <laughs> at least. Sincere I mean, self awareness. No, I mean you. You get that, like when pieces when they talk about when they ask him about Rick or anytime they asked him about Andre, like on the, when on his most recent WWE comeback, like they did some newer interviews with him talking about Andre. They talk about like, oh, he was, you know, he was the greatest star the WWE, you know, the WWE ever had. He was, you know, the ten times the wrestler, ten times the man I ever was. And you're just like sitting there, like, man, you don't. <laughs> I'm, you know, whether or not that's true in anyone's mind or not, like you don't really believe that, man. You're just, you're, yeah, you're being, you're being all shucks, Terry, right now. 
<laughs> Aw shucks, Terry. <laughs> oh, one more match. One more match, brother. One more leg drop. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I try to keep on keeping on. <laughs>